Welcome to Quick Brain, bite-sized brain hacks for busy people who want to learn faster and achieve more. I'm your coach, Jim Quick. Free your mind. Let's imagine if we could access 100% of our brain's capacity. I wasn't high, wasn't wired, just clear. I knew what I needed to do and how to do it. I know Kung Fu. Show me. Hi, Quick Brains. Your question today is, how do you find work that lights you up, that really ignites your fire? And we're back with Jonathan Fields, my buddy. We're having this conversation. Many of you know Jonathan as a best-selling author. He's host of the incredibly wildly popular podcast, Good Life Project, and also the founder, the creator of Sparkotypes, which is really the source code, what we're going to be talking about to a number of things in terms of getting into your vast performance, expression, your flow. How do you do it all? Now, we've had a deep conversation. If you haven't listened to it yet on passion and purpose in a previous episode, I would highly recommend you listen to that episode and we'll continue the momentum right now. So, Jonathan, we touched on sparkotypes. What is a sparkotype related to passion and purpose and why did you create it? Yeah, so a sparkotype for me is based on the belief that we all have a unique imprint or source code, you can call it your DNA, for work that allows us to feel like we're on purpose, allows us to feel fully expressed in the world, and allows us to drop into a state of flow where we become absorbed, time fugues, we can work really hard, but it feels like almost effortless effort. And that Venn diagram, purpose, expression, and flow, is the place where when you work from that place, whether it's the thing you get paid to do, whether it's the thing you do on the side, but when your primary contribution is at the intersection of that place, you come fully alive. You feel like you're doing the thing that you're here to do. And I was curious for a long time, you're like, can you identify this? Is there a set of universal imprints or archetypes or a source code that crosses, you know, like every culture, every age, and that stays with us for a long period of time? Because there's so many different ways that you can sort of you know, like wander around and try and figure out what am I here to do. And I see so many people hitting the middle and later years of their lives still having no sense for what that thing is. The quest became, can we create a tool that allows people to identify this deeper level driver at a much earlier point in life so that then you can start from there and start to look out at all the potential ways you can contribute to the world and do it in a much more informed way by saying, okay, will this allow me to do the work of my, and I call these things sparkotypes, the archetype that sparks you basically. Will this opportunity allow me to do the work of my sparkotype? You know, if we deconstruct that, will this opportunity allow me to engage myself in work that gives me a strong sense of purpose that allows me to be fully expressed on all levels? and work in a place of flow as often as possible. Because when we can do that work, what we get out of it is this feeling of just being utterly lit up, being sparked. And the more we exist in that state in life, the better it is for us, the better it is for the people we're in relationship with, the better it is for the world around us because we are operating at our highest potential. We're performing at a level where we feel like there's nothing left inside to give, like it's all coming out and whatever benefit we have to bring to our work is being created in the world. And that's a place that we all aspire to. I mean, your opening question is like, how do we find work that lights us up? I think one of the big mistakes that people make is 
we start that exploration focusing externally. We start looking at lists of jobs and lists of industries and all these different lists rather than starting internally and saying, what is that thing for me? Not the job, not this sort of granular expression, but what is the deeper driver for me where I feel like the reason that I'm here is being channeled through and released out into the world. And once we identify that, it actually gives us freedom because now we can probably find thousands of jobs or industries or careers that allow us to express that. And we can run far fewer experiments and get to that place way faster. When you're describing this, I'm thinking about their purpose, this driver, their spark type, if you will. Sometimes they are aware of it, but it's buried down below a pile of other people's opinions and expectations and life conditions that happened when they were children, and it keeps them from their truest nature. Yeah, there is definitely a lot of societal and familial baggage that we all carry around with, you know, like what we should be doing and what we shouldn't be doing with our lives. So there are 10 of these archetypes. And each person, I believe, is sort of a blend, but there are two that come up to be sort of like at the top. We call them your primary sparkotype and your shadow sparkotype. Your primary is really, it's the primary driver of the work you're here to do. And the shadow is something that you've probably become really good at, you enjoy doing, you have skills at. But if you're really being honest, very often you do it in service of doing the work of your primary better. It's not about being limited by a particular career. It's about understanding what is the deeper drive. So in effect, when we're going to go through really kind of a quick review yeah. on what these 10 sparkotypes are, you could have any career, but they could be expressing different aspects of these sparkotypes. Yeah. We have a pretty big data set now that tells us preponderance of the different ones. And it makes sense that actually the performer is very often the one with the most familial and societal baggage because very often a family says, oh, you shouldn't be a dancer or a singer or an actor because you'll never make a living doing it. So that shouldn't be your identity. And then it's buried underneath those expectations. It doesn't change the fact that it is this thing for you. And maybe they went through life and they have urges or interests in that field, but then they were maybe pushed towards a different way, right. but it's still a core of who they yeah. are. And there are often cultural associations with that person. You know, you shouldn't stand out. You know, a lot of Aussies are told, like, don't be a tall poppy. It's fascinating to see the sort of like the constructs that are overlaid and how so many people will almost pretend that this is not actually what that deeper driver is for them, simply because it triggers so much shame or blame or expectation or a desire to avoid confrontation. Amazing. So we're going to go through the 10 spark types right now. So let's talk about the maker. Basically, the work of the maker is to make ideas manifest. It's the person who wakes up in the morning and just looks around saying, I need to create. Very likely, you have felt this from the youngest years that you can imagine. As a kid, I grew up in a small town with a junkyard. On Sundays, I would beg my parents to take me to the junkyard. We would throw pieces of old discarded bikes into the back. I would take them home. I would duct tape them together to create Franken bikes and ride them around the neighborhood until they broke. So I am a maker and I have been this person from the earliest time that I can remember. It's expressed itself in art, in structures, in companies, in books, in media. The part of all of those things that I love is going from idea to something. So that's the maker. So number one is maker. Number two is scientist. The okay. work of the scientist is to solve problems, to figure out puzzles. What's interesting is like the scientist is driven by curiosity. The energy of the scientist is curiosity. It is like, I need to figure the thing out. So a lot of people with the spark of scientists 
become scientists, but they don't have to be. This can exist like every other spark type in every profession and every career path. It is the person in the room that says there's a complex problem right here. There's a puzzle that needs to be solved. And I am just like, I wake up in the morning and I just want to figure it out. You may figure out something that has incredible societal value, that may solve problems, that may build companies, that may change the world, which is awesome to you. But when you're really being honest, the reason you do it is just what you know, famous physicist Richard Feynman called the kick of figuring the thing out. Next up, we have the maven. The work of the maven is learning. It's knowledge acquisition. The maven is the person who wakes up in the morning and they just want to learn. They very likely have specific fascinations and they will devour every bit of knowledge they can in this particular field or area until they have exhausted it. You also see it manifest often in just very generalized interest in learning about everything. They may not care at all about figuring a thing out. They just want to know everything about it. So mavens are the ones where if you have like four degrees and nine certifications and you're only using one or two of them, safe bet you're a maven because you just want to keep learning. You love devouring. It's about knowledge acquisition. I love that. Okay, so number four. So number four is the essentialist. The work of the essentialist is creating order from chaos. It's somebody who looks at something and there's mass information, stuff, whatever it needs, and they're all about organizing, simplifying process and systems. So this shows up in a lot of different ways. So our main ops person in our company who does all of our spreadsheets and process and systems and organize, and she keeps our project management and she keeps everything running, she's an essentialist. And a lot of essentialists find themselves in that role. When she was a little kid, she used to organize and line up her stuffed animals in height and color order. So the essential is very often expresses itself in a very outward, observable way very early in life also. The essentialist also, for people who are not essentialists, very often is one of the spark types where people cannot understand how someone would want to do that because it's so foreign to so many other people with different drivers. But there are actually people who wake up in the morning and their favorite thing to do is organize, turn chaos into order. Hmm. So you have your essentialist, number five. Right. The performer. The work of the performer is to bring an illustrative, demonstrative energy to any moment or experience. That can happen on stage, on screen, in a musical environment, but it can happen anywhere also. They can be a teacher or a doctor. A hundred percent. It's the idea of taking a moment, experience, or idea and demonstrating in a way that allows the experience, the wisdom from it to just completely be transferred and be brought to life in a way that everybody just gets it and it's sort of like it sneaks past the shields. Okay, performance number five. I'm memorizing this yeah. also, by the way. Number six is the warrior, right? Yeah, so the warrior, um, the primary work of the warrior is to lead. It's the person who very often this shows up very young in life also. So if you were the six-year-old where after school every day, you're like rounding up the neighborhood kids and be like, let's go on an adventure. This tends to show up often. There's one really fascinating societal overlay with the warrior too which is that a lot of people create this very masculine and aggressive overlay with the role of being a leader, of being that person who leads others to a desired end as like together. And that is just pure societal stuff. What we see is that truly there is no need to be masculine in energy. There's no need to be aggressive. Very often the most effective people who play that role are quiet. They're sensitive. They have a really powerful balance of masculine and feminine or more towards feminine. It's completely unrelated to those energies. In the assessment, we've seen people discover that their primary is a word. They're like, I'm not that person. And then when you tell them, well, actually, it doesn't mean you have to be this bold, aggressive, sometimes arrogant 
very heavily masculine. You can actually be gentle. You can be sensitive. You can be quiet and be astonishingly good at organizing people and leading them towards a desired outcome. Like, oh yeah, that's me. I've been that my whole life. So it's interesting to sort of deconstruct that a little bit. Okay, now the sage, number seven. Right, so the sage, the primary energy there is teaching. It is about transmitting wisdom, information, in a way that people really understand with clarity and can embody it. A lot of sages end up being teachers or they end up being speakers. And very often the sage is about transmitting to groups of people. It's about the transfer of information and seeing the light bulbs go on. So if you're constantly finding ways to tell everybody what you know, you know, you may spend a lot of time in Maven mode. In fact, Maven and Sage is a very popular pairing because you're devouring knowledge, but the real reason that you're doing it is because you want to turn around and share it with everybody so that they can know what you know. I love that. Advocate? So the advocate is all about giving voice to the voiceless. It is about playing the role of the advocate. So here's an interesting thing about the advocate, though. Very often we think of an advocate as standing up for other people. And very often they are. People who don't have a voice, people who are disenfranchised. Or animals or the environment. Well, that's the thing. It can be animals, it can be environments, it can be the planet. It can also be ideas. You can be the champion for ideas. You can be somebody who loves to champion and be the advocate for ideas in a room. And as long as you have that ability to give voice to something that you feel is not being given voice, advocates find themselves in that role and playing that role from the very earliest points in their lives. They can sometimes be the kids who a parent would be like, can you just stop talking already? You're like, no, but this isn't fair. I see injustice. Like, this has to be changed and I'm going to make it happen. So that tends to show up very often, very early in life as well. Astonishing. Number nine, I think, is the advisor. Yeah. So the advisor has some similarities to the sage. The advisor is about guiding very often an individual or a small group of people through a process towards a desired end. The primary difference between that and the sage is it tends to be a much more intimate expression of work. Mm -hmm. And rather than being somebody who's just teaching people how to do it or being a warrior where you're leading a group that you are part of to do it, the advisor rides alongside. Their job is to guide others along a process to a desired outcome. They're not one of those others. Like the joy you get from that is the process of advising them along the way as they make the journey and developing intimate, very often sustained longer term relationships. You find this in a lot of therapeutic professions. You know, like whether you're a therapist, sometimes the practice of law. So a lot of sort of professional practices that create long term sustained relationships. People who are advisors find themselves navigating into those types of professions. Interesting. And finally, the nurturer. So the nurturer is all about giving care. You are somebody who's very likely wired to feel a lot. You probably have a high level of empathy. So you may feel other people's unease or suffering or pain or discomfort in a way that you can't understand how others don't feel on the same level as you. And you are moved to do something about it. You're moved to give care. You're moved to help people not feel that level of unease or pain or suffering. This, I think, is one of the most powerful archetypes in terms of outward effect on other people. The thing you have to be super aware of as a nurturer is very often nurturers are so focused on giving that they end up empty. Self-care goes out the window. Like, I don't have time to take care of myself. My job is to give care to others, so to help ease the suffering of others. They almost view it as hubris or arrogance or ego if they set aside time to take care of themselves, not realizing they can't actually do the work of the nurturer unless they're full also. Filling their cup. This has been a very powerful conversation for me to have with you because 
you know, this archetype, once you understand who you are, it takes, again, away judgment and allows you to make decisions based on what sparks and what ignite your soul, if you will. So I'm going to actually record a video, how to memorize these 10. So you have it in your mind and I'll put it in the show notes at jimquake.com forward slash notes of how to memorize these forwards and backwards. So you can have them at your mental fingertips and also put links to your assessment. And then the direct link is what? Sparkatype.com. So S-P-A-R-K-E-T-Y-P-E.com. And that's for you, your team, your family also as well. And our challenge, take a screenshot of this, tag Jonathan, tag myself, and maybe share your Sparkatype. Yeah, take the assessment. It takes about 10 minutes to do. There's no cost for the assessment. And then share your Sparkatype and invite one person that you either are close with personally or you work with to do the same and then share it with each other because the conversations that we're seeing started around awakening to the deeper drivers of those that you are working with and living with on a day-to-day basis has been incredibly illuminating. On a relationship level, it can be really powerful to help understand each other. Amazing. So do that. Tag me in it also as well. I'll repost some of our favorites for the show and I'll see you next episode. Want to double your brain speed and memory power? If you'd like to learn rapidly and get ahead faster, I'd like to give you my brand new Quick Brain Accelerator program. You will discover exactly what I teach my clients to learn, read, and remember anything in half the time. There is no charge. It's my gift to you for being one of our subscribers. That's kwikbrain.com. Growing up struggling with learning challenges from a childhood brain injury, it's been my life's mission to help you have your very best brain so you can win more every single day. Now, want more quick brain? Here are four ways to fast track your results and lock in what you just learned into your long-term memory. Remember fast, F-A-S-T. The F stands for Facebook. You're not alone on this journey. I invite you to join our free private online group. There you can connect with me, your fellow brain lovers, links to resources, and even submit your questions for me to answer in future episodes. Go to quickbrain.com. That's K-W-I-K brain.com. The A stands for apply. Act on what you learned today. Remember, knowledge is not power. It's potential power. It only becomes power when you use it. So use what you just learned. The S stands for subscribe. Don't miss the next episode and other free brain training. And finally, the T stands for teach. You want to learn faster now? The key is to lock it in right away by teaching it to someone else. When you teach something, you get to learn it twice. Here's a simple way to do that. Leave a review on iTunes. Leave a review with your biggest takeaway from this episode. You could also post and share this podcast on your social media. It helps us spread our mission of building better, brighter brains. And of course, tag us so our team can properly thank you. Hashtag quick brain, K-W-I-K brain. Mine is at Jim Quick, K-W-I-K, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. So what does FAST stand for? Facebook, apply, subscribe, teach. I'll see you in our next episode of Quick Brain. Until then, remember, you are faster and smarter than you think. I hope you're enjoying this episode. And if you want to go deeper with many of these authors that we have on our podcast, these experts, I want to invite you to join our Quick Success program. This is our monthly lives that I do, where I teach something brand new that we haven't taught before, answer your burning questions, and also we have 
something that people have been requesting for many years, a quick book club. This is your Limitless Book Club, where every single month we read a book together, uh, like a book provided by this author, and then we get the author to come online and join us for a one hour uh, share, going deeper in these strategies, how to put them into practice. Uh, I share my five tips for how to memorize things out of these books. Many people want to read a book a month or build up to that, and this would be the program. So if you want to join, just go to quicksuccess.com and get your spot and join us live and get to meet these authors very uh, up close and personal. And uh, back to the episode.